Our ultimate goal this morning is to remember your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we do remember your word and we do give you thanks, Father, for that is your will for your people. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your mercy, for your favor, for deliverance, for healing, for salvation. So much to be thankful for. So, Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts individually this morning. That which you'd have us to know. That which you'd have us to do in the days ahead. Our ears are open to hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Better than you. 
Just the 
I want to share this morning four steps in receiving communion. Sometimes I think we can just make it another religious ceremony or rite. And so I want to give you four things, and I want you to reflect on those four things. Number one is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Everyone say, look inward. See, the first thing you and I have to do is we've got to look inside. We've got to look at our hearts. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says in verse 27, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. So let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we're judged, we're chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. That word examine means this. It means to test. It means to prove. It means to scrutinize. I like that word. To see whether a thing is genuine or not. How genuine is your heart? As believers, we should examine our hearts to see if we've sinned against God or sinned against man. Is there any hidden sin there? Is there any disobedience? Do you know disobedience is sin? If God tells you to do something and you don't do it, it's sin. 1 John 1, 9 says what? If we confess our sins, He's what? He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank God for the blood of Jesus that cleanses our sins past, sins present, and sins future. Then we've got number two, we've got to look outward. Say look outward. As believers, we must learn how to build and maintain covenant relationships with God and others. How many have ever had a relationship go south? Your own family, your neighbors. That's not God's will. God's will is that we are in covenant with Him this way, but we're in covenant with each other this way. And sad to say, the church today doesn't really understand or have a great revelation of the word covenant. We must practice, say that with me, we must practice instant reconciliation Matthew 6 verse 14 says for if you forgive men their trespasses your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you do not forgive men their trespasses neither will your father forgive you of your trespasses now I want to read this translation out of the message Bible and uh, I I just like the way it, it, it It states how we are to interact with one another. 
It says, don't lie to one another. You're done with that old life. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you stripped off and put in the fire. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Say, I've got a new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom made by the Creator with His label on it. All the old fashions are now obsolete. Words like Jewish and non-Jewish, religious and irreligious, insider and outsider, uncivilized and uncouth, slave and free mean nothing. From now on, everyone is defined by Christ. Everyone is included in Christ. So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quick, quiet strength, discipline, be even-tempered. How many got to work on being even-tempered? Content with second place. (laughs) That's a hard one for some people. Quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the Master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic, all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Everyone say, put on love. Number three, you and I have to look upward. Say, look upward. As believers, we should look upward to our high priest, Jesus Christ, and remember his death, his burial, and his resurrection. His precious blood and body has made us whole, spirit, soul, and body. Again, the message translation says, so if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up. Everyone say, look up. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from His perspective. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. He is your life. Say, Christ is my life. When Christ, your real life, remember, shows up again on this earth, you'll show up too. The real you. The glorious you. Meanwhile, be content with obscurity like Christ. And then number four, we got to look onward. Say, look onward. you got to look forward. We need to be forward-focused. As believers, we should expect to fulfill our destinies. As believers, we must expect to fulfill our God-given destinies, our God-given assignments. You have a destiny. I have a destiny. Every one of these young people today have a destiny. And so we have to be, you know, focused in knowing the good work that God has begun in us. He's going to finish that good work. Amen? Amen. I'd ask now if ushers, if you'd quickly wait upon the people and hand out the elements. And if you're visiting today and you're not a member of the church, if you're a born-again believer, you're more than welcome to receive communion with us this morning. I'd ask that you hold on to the elements and then we'll do it, partake of it together.
Amen. Has everyone been served? I've got a prayer up here I'd like Rachel to put up. And I want us to read this prayer. I know we don't do this every time, but I think it's appropriate this morning. Let's say this together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to redeem mankind. I thank you that through Christ's sufferings, he purchased a threefold redemption for my spirit, my mind, and body. Today, I ask you to bless this bread that represents the body of Christ. Bless the fruit of the vine that represents the precious blood of Christ. Father, as you have forgiven me, so I forgive those who have sinned against me. Lord, I forgive and release anyone who has wronged me, and I ask you to search my spirit and remove any trace from sin or disobedience from my life. Today, I release from my mental prison anyone who has hurt me in any way, and I ask you to bless them and help them spiritually. Father, as I receive this communion, I ask you to bring strength and health to me spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Because if the new covenant that was sealed through the sufferings of Christ, Father, Jesus carried my infirmities. Therefore, I ask you to lift for me what Jesus has carried for me. I've received in by faith, and I give you all the glory and the honor in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Jesus, this morning, we remember you. You're the true bread that came down from heaven who gives life to the world. We remember today that your body was bruised, beaten, and broken for us. Surely you have borne our sickness and carried our pains, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. We eat this bread that represents your body, which was broken for us in remembrance of you. Jesus, we were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with your precious blood, as of a lamb without blemish, without spot. The life is in the blood, and without the shedding of blood, there be no forgiveness, no remission of sin. And we overcome today because of your precious blood. We drink this juice, which represents your blood, and remind ourselves we have a better covenant built upon better promises. We thank you, Father. Father, my prayer is this morning that you will strengthen us at Harvest Church, that you will increase our unity, Lord God. Our relationships, Father, will be strong, For we're one body, one mind. And so, Father, we thank you, Lord God, for all that you've begun in us individually. And all that you've begun in this church corporately. Lord, we're looking onward. You're going to finish 
that good work. And Lord, we'll, we'll make sure we keep our eyes on your son, Jesus. We set our affections on things above and not upon the earth. And we welcome you, Holy Spirit, to continue to work in our hearts that we might bear much fruit in the days ahead and advance the kingdom of God. We love you and we honor you today. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Kathy. Minimal announcements this week. Next Sunday, we will have our regular service as scheduled, but this Wednesday night, we will not have service. We want you to take time and spend with your families and rest and relax. As I was thinking about this year, you know, we've had a lot of victories. Corporately, individually, there's still a ways to go in some things, but most of those victories have come through hard-fought battles. But that's where you get victory is through battles. And so through the years, nine times out of ten, advice we've had to give to people has never been to get more busy. Although we like you to be active and committed, the main advice we've had to give people is to take some time and rest and enjoy life a little bit. And I want to read you scripture in Hebrews. You don't need to turn there. Chapter 4, verse 9. It says, therefore, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. So if God ceases from work and takes time to rest, we should also. And the other scripture that was quickened to me, and we all know this one, was written by David, the man that went through a lot of battles. And he wrote in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. When you've been through battles, you have to allow time for yourself to rest And allow God to restore your soul. Years and years ago when we first started. A a person. A seasoned person in the ministry said. Told us. When you go through a battle. After the battle. Take time. To look at pretty things. In other words. She was saying. You have to take time to allow God to restore your soul. By resting. By doing something that's enjoyable to you. And so this week. I just want to encourage you. Take some time for God to restore your soul. Get some rest physically. Enjoy being with your family. Do some things that you enjoy and look at pretty things. Because ultimately, our trust is in God. And we're going forward, but we need to be restored to be sharp. So we encourage you to do that. Have a good week and enjoy being with your family or friends or whatever you do. So this morning, we'll receive this morning's tithes and offerings. If you need an envelope, you raise your hand and the ushers will get you an envelope. (coughs) 
We have had some calls in the last several weeks for our food in our little food pantry. We're still pretty stocked up, but just appreciate that. Mike went, ushers, you can go ahead and receive whenever you're ready. And then Mike went this week and gave communion to Joyce Wanzer. And again, she cried. She was so thankful for the roof that we put on or you put on for her and very appreciative of that. So I just want to thank you once again for those things. Her sister who's elderly and having health issues and her daughter could not understand how a church could do that. I thought that's what the church was supposed to do. Amen. Amen. I'm thankful this morning for the new families that God has brought to us this year. Like-minded people. And uh, I'd rather have slow growth and get to know the people and discern their gifts than just have a a, a great influx of people and then, then not get to know them. Everyone here has a gift. And uh, I got news for you. You better discover it, and you better get ready to use it. Because we're in for some exciting things in the days ahead. God gave me a word, and, and it's been a couple weeks ago, and I'm studying that word. And the more I was listening to, to uh, how many of you know who Wanda Elger, Elger is? Or how do you pronounce her name? Um, she's prophetic, but her husband's a pastor, and they pastor down south. And I, I would encourage you to get and listen to, it's about a 30-minute session, and it was posted the Wednesday after uh, President Trump gave his speech. So you can go on and listen to it. And she kind of gives you some insight about what happened and about the days ahead. Now, I don't listen to a lot. There's so many voices out there, and I try to be very, very careful on what I listen to. But I thought what she shared was excellent. So if you want a, a, a perspective, I would encourage you to listen to her. It's Wanda Alger. I think it's L-G-E-R, A-L-G-E-R. You'll find it, but it was posted Wednesday um, of this week. Isn't it? Did he give his speech this week or... Or last week, I don't know. It was the Wednesday after Trump's speech. Amen? We're talking about how big is your God. And we're handing out little uh, inserts that you can take notes on. And, and there's scriptures there. So you can take that home if you want to review some things. And Wednesday night we had prayer. This is what God spoke to Nate. He says, I heard God say ridiculous thing or ridiculous results Require ridiculous requests. That's interesting. Ridiculous results require ridiculous requests. You will never live a big life, have a big impact, or inquire, acquire anything big until you learn to be humble and learn to ask big. So learn to start asking and believing big and start seeing bigger things. Let me say it again. Ridiculous results require ridiculous requests. You'll never live a big life, have a big impact, or acquire anything big until you learn to be humble and learn to ask big. So learn to start asking and believing big and start seeing big things. 
There are big things on the horizon, people. For you, your family, and especially the church corporately and worldwide. So, we've got to make sure we change our thinking. Look at Ephesians 3. This is our text. It says, Now to him who is able, verse 20, to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we might ask or think, according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. You know, you've got to know the Holy Ghost on the inside of you because he is the power. And I believe we're not going to be able to accomplish anything big for God without the Holy Spirit. And so it's important that you're you're born again, yes, but it's important that you're filled with the Spirit. And not only that initial infilling, but there are infillings of the Spirit of God that will occur over your lifetime. And so I encourage you to, to renew your mind to who you are in Christ and what the Holy Spirit is doing on the inside of you. We said our purpose is this. As Christians, we must believe that our God can. Say, my God can. That our God can and is willing to exceed our highest expectations. Sad to say, because of an attitude of indifference... And a lack of understanding of the power that works in us, we limit God by not asking big or thinking big. If the church is going to minister effectively to the harvest of souls that is coming, we must personally and corporately adopt and exercise a kingdom, a kingdom mindset of growth and expansion. Say kingdom mindset of growth and expansion. This mindset will believe big, dream big, pray big, ask big. If we do this at Harvest Church, guess what will happen? That was a little late. Slow at the draw. Let's start over. If we do this at Harvest Church, what are we going to do at Harvest Church in the days ahead? Think big, dream big, believe big, dream big, ask big then what are we going to have? What are we going to experience? Big things. We said we were going to look at four men. We looked at one last week, and his name was Abraham. What did he do? He believed big. So today we're going to look at somebody that dreamed big. Before I do that, Abraham, the word that God gave him, He said, I will make your descendants in Genesis as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. Now, that's big. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord. Abraham believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to himself as righteousness. We said believing requires what? You remember from last week? See, if you, if you, get, the, if you get this right, I won't, I won't have to preach that sermon again. But if you don't answer these questions, I'll have to go back and preach last week's sermon. And you're going to miss out on this week's sermon. Silence. Thank you. Believing requires silence. And number two was... Thank you. Who said that? Who? 
Jan. Oh, you got the notes. I don't care. You know why she's got the notes? Because she was a teacher. So it requires silence. Believing requires silence. Acting on the word. And what was the third thing? And don't say anything, Jan. Not believing circumstances. Okay. Look at Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. I, I love this character in the Bible. But just like Abraham, he was not perfect. He had some character flaws. And we're going to find that out. How many of you, how many can tell me who I'm going to talk about? Joseph. What did he do? He had a big dream, didn't he? He sure did. So let's read this, start with verse 1. It says of chapter 37, Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Billah and the sons of Zilpha, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. He was a tattletale. <laughs> Should he have done that? I don't know. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now, Joseph had a what? A dream. And he told it to his brothers. (laughs) Big mistake. And they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream which I've dreamed. There we were binding sheaves in the field. And behold, my sheep arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. Well, that's how to win friends and influence others. And his brothers said to him, shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words then he dreamed still another dream told it to his brothers and said look i've dreamed another dream and this time the sun the moon and the 11 stars bowed down to me and so he told it to his father and his brothers and his father rebuked him and said to him what is this dream that you've dreamed shall your mother and i and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you and his brothers envied him but his father what kept the matter in mind. Now listen, here's the first thing, the first key in dreaming big. When you receive a dream from God, a vision from God, a prophetic word from God, now listen, it won't go away. It will not go away. You can run from it, but it will not go away. It'll be a nagging thing in your, in your being the rest of your life. Now, it tells us, you know, he had a dream. And this is an interesting word in the Hebrew. It's C-H-A-M. It's shalom. It means to bind firmly. To bind firmly. When God gives you a dream for your future, it will take root in your heart. And you will never forget it. It'll take root. If the dream is from God, the vision is from God, or if He gives you a word, you'll never forget it. I can remember words that I received back when I was 23, 4 years old. 
I can remember a dream I had when we moved here and we had a, a big truck and we were traveling and, and doing antique shows and we just started working in this church. God has sent, sent us to Norfolk and I'll, I'll never forget this. We were in a motel room and I had a dream that night and I dreamed the pastor showed up one Sunday morning with a fish pole in his hand. No, there's nothing wrong with fishing. We got fishermen here. I thought that was odd. And I, I don't remember all the details of, of the dream. We were going through some real, I don't know, troubling times. <laughs> and next Sunday, sure enough, we got to church. And then he walked with a fish pole in his hand. I went, whoa. <laughs> I never forgot that. And I, I could stand here today, and, and you could too, of, of dreams that you had maybe, a vision that God gave you, our prophetic word. I got a book full of prophecies. But, you know, God will give them to you, but you have a responsibility, and I have a responsibility to do something with that word, with that vision, or with that dream. It will never, ever go away. When Kathy and I came to Norfolk in 1983, I was going to Rama. It was the end of the second year, and she told me, we're not staying here. The Holy Ghost didn't. My wife did. Not staying in Tulsa. And we knew we didn't want, it just Tulsa was not. I don't know if you like it, Kate. Maybe you're younger, and I, I never liked it. I wanted to come home to Nebraska, and she says, we're going to Nebraska. I want to go back to Nebraska. And that was the Spirit of God dealing with her heart even more so than me. And, and uh, so I, I, there, we had a time in, in, at the end of the school year where preachers could come and interview people. I don't know if they still do that or not. And uh, so I had an interview set up with a minister from Norfolk, and guess what? I showed up, and he didn't. And so I got on the phone, and I called this man, and I said, I'm so-and-so, and we would like to come and, and check out Norfolk and your church. And, and uh, so we did. We went on one Sunday and went to the service, and we just, you know, I, I don't remember how we felt about it. Um, but uh, we decided we're, we're going to move to Norfolk. I didn't have a position at the church. We'd visited once. So we loaded the U-Haul, pulled my pickup, and came to Norfolk without a home, without a job, without money, <laughs> huh? without a brain. We got here, and, and we'd written a prayer under the house we wanted to have, and we wrote everything down, detailed. And on that sheet, everything was fulfilled of the house that we found, the rental we found, except the fireplace. There were fruit trees. There was a garden. Everything we wanted was there. And so God blessed us, but at the same time, we literally went through hell. You would think if God is going to send you somewhere... You know, there'd be a band there at the city, you know, as you enter the city saying, Welcome, ex-Rama student, going to win the world for Jesus. No, it wasn't that way. 
It wasn't that way. God blessed us. I, I got a job, but then that was at Gillette Dairy, and that was going from Bible school to hell. Literally. Bible student into Gillette Dairy atmosphere was not pleasant. I, I, I went so far, and I said, I can't take it anymore. I quit, and I started refinishing furniture in the back room of our, bedroom of our house. I don't even know if you were working at that point. You were working at the school as a, and the gift store. Next few years, we started our own business, antique business, but it was a struggle. And I'm going to tell you something. We were so tempted to quit. We, every chance we could, we just loved going over that viaduct and going to Monroe, Nebraska, where she lived. And we just wanted to open up an antique store in Monroe, Nebraska and live there. And then we wanted to open a convenience store. And they did, and they're making nothing but money. But it wasn't God's plan for our life. And we stayed in everything. Belts, as you can remember, Sandy, you can remember what we went through, all of us. The few people that hung in there at Light of the World Church. But God was faithful. But we had to dig down deep. Say, dig down deep. See, that's the thing. The vision will never leave. But through the years, God was faithful. He brought people and mentors and other ministers that encouraged us. And we finally came to the point where we didn't want to quit and leave Norfolk, Nebraska. I'm glad we didn't quit. Amen. I'm glad we didn't quit. Joseph's dreams sustained him through all. Did he go through hell? (laughs) Read the rest of the story. But his dreams sustained him through all his struggles and persecutions. Now, can you get this first one? Um, can you put up that video for me? This is the next thing you're going to have to do with your dream. Okay. Say what that's. I don't write bulls. Listen to me. You're going to have to hold on to your dream. Can't let go. If God has spoken something to you concerning your family, the salvation of a loved one, your children, your in-laws and your outlaws, if God has spoken to you about your future and what you're going to 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 do. And and I got to tell you, Caden, I thought about you this week when I put this message together and I thought, he needs to hear this. But you're going to have to hold on to whatever God tells you to do, whatever word he puts, plants in your heart, prophetic word, whatever dream you have, whatever vision you receive. Because Satan will come immediately to steal that dream, steal that vision, and steal that word. And the thing, thank God, I married the woman I did. Stubborn woman. The woman you gave me, Lord, didn't have any quitting sense. She grew up different than me. I'd start something, and if I didn't think I could do it, I'd just quit. She'd start with athletics. 
she, she would rather bleed than quit. And then God put us together. And there was a hurricane. No quitting sense. If you got something from God, you can't quit. You listen to me, young people. You can't quit. Politically. Steve, you got it, don't you? You can't give up. You can't quit. Well, pastor, you don't know how hard it's been. What a struggle it's been. You want a tissue for your, for your issue? Quit whining. Quit crying. Quit complaining. Folks, it ain't going to get much easier in the days ahead. And it's only the ones that are going to hold on to the word that God gives them. The remnant that holds on is going to finish that bronco ride and be blessed. I didn't come all this far. I don't know how many years, dear Lord, 40 years to quit. Does that mean the enemy after that long will quit trying to make you quit? <laughs> I've still had thoughts of quitting. But see, now I'm, I'm older, more mature. Some of you probably wonder, but I am. I don't have, I don't quit. She's helped me with that attitude. Oh, my. Oh, my, the years that we just wanted to leave this city. It sucked. you got to hold on to your dream. Persistent pays off. Do you remember Jacob without turning there? Joseph's father wrestled with who? God or an angel. And he says, I'll not let go until you bless me. That's the kind of attitude you got to have. Amen. Patriots United, Convention of States, I'm not going to let go. I'm going to darken your door, Senator, till you listen to me. Amen? Amen. First Timothy 1.18 says, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage good warfare in the days ahead. You've got to take the dream, take the vision, take that prophetic word and use it to do warfare with the enemy. No, God, you, you sent me to Norfolk. I've done this before. You called us here. You planted us here. You put gifts in us. This church is of you, God. I'm not moved by what I see, what I hear, how, what my emotions tell me, how I feel. But I'm staying put. I'm planted. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. Some of you have been going through some things this year. You've had to fight the good fight of faith. Well, keep fighting. But do your warfare with the, with the Word of God. Galatians 6, 9 says, And let us not lose heart and grow weary and faint in well-doing. For in due time and at the appointed season we shall reap if we do not loosen or relax our courage and faint. That's the Amplified. So you can't give up. Number three. I've already alluded to this in Genesis 37, 5. So what was the first one? See, you're supposed to be taking notes. If you're going to dream big, you've got to do what? That was the second one. What was the first one? It won't go away. 
Third one. This is important. Be careful who you share that vision, that dream, or that prophetic word with. Sometimes God will speak to your heart and give you a word, but it's not for the next day. It might not even be for the next month. It might be for next year. See, God spoke to my heart a few weeks ago a word as I was taking the first step up, uh, going up to my office on a Monday morning, and I thought, oh, there's a word for Sunday morning. Well, it wasn't. I have to study that word out. But be careful who you share your dreams with. Genesis 37, 5 says, Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. Verse 11 says, and his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. In other words, Jacob, like remember Mary when she received the word? What did she do? She pondered that word in her heart. If God gives you something, take some time and ponder that word like a cow chews its cud. Chew on that and reflect on that and think about that. I've had to do that through the years with the word that God gave me. Sooner than you think, must be prepared, no fear and strategy. I thought about those four directives ever since he gave them to us in the early 80s. And we're in that season now. But don't just go tell your dream to your closest friend. Listen, folks, let me tell you something. This will help you. If you've got to run off and tell somebody something that God gave you, you've got pride in your heart. I want you to think about that. Because, oh, God gave me this word and I've got to tell somebody. No, you don't. And if you're wise, you'll keep your mouth shut. But pride wants to, oh, I heard from God. I got a word from the Lord. You want to hear it? I would suggest just be quiet and ponder that word for a while. Amen? Amen. I'll never forget, years ago when we were at 300 South 2nd at that old Lutheran church. I don't know if you know, it's run down now. It's fallen it's apart. That's where we started. And we had a bulletin board and we put on this bulletin board we were going to take the city of norfolk we're going to really influence the city of norfolk and we worked so hard on that bulletin board you remember that sandy i don't know if you remember it or not and it was it, it really was a nice board in in other words it was our purpose it was god had put in our hearts we're to win the city for jesus is is that a big dream And I'll never forget, two or three minister friends of mine were there one day, and they looked at that board and said, what are you doing? What do you think you're doing? And they just poo-pooed and laughed at it. And I was deflated. You'd think your brothers or sisters in Christ would want to support your vision. I got a clue for you. Many of them won't. Because they're only interested in their own vision and their own dream and their own prophetic word. And folks, in the days ahead, we can't be like that. We've got to come together and work together. But just, just, say, just be careful on who you share that with. I want to, I want to give you a scripture. And uh, in Habakkuk chapter 2, just you don't need to turn there. 
And this is important because this is basically what we did on the bulletin board. In Habakkuk chapter 2, it says, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak. It will not lie, though it tarries, though it tarries, though it tarries, wait for it. Say that with me. Though it tarries, wait for it. Because it will surely come. It will not Terry, behold the proud, his soul's not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. You'll have to write the vision down because you'll have to review it as you wait for it. We've waited for years here at Harvest Church for some things that we were believing for. And things are happening. God is moving. God, I believe this, and God is going to bring key people that we need in this hour that have certain gifts. My, my heart is this, and, and I, I'll use Steve as an example, and Steve and Darla, and he, what he's done with the Convention of States and that movement. I'm believing for people that will join our church, that will have a vision for their community, but it'll, it'll be outside these four walls. It'll be bigger than they are. And I see some... Do we have some things out there right now that we need to work with? What are you two? What's in your heart? What would you start with? Children. Protecting the children. Is that a good thing? So I believe that's a gift and that's a ministry in itself. I believe, Steve and Darla, what you're doing is a ministry in itself. We need to do bigger things in the community. And it's going to take people with the gifts and the intestinal fortitude and the persistence not to let go. Look at, look at you and, your, you and Brad and with your political stuff and, and, and Pierce. Did you ever think you'd be involved in politics? Boy, I didn't. Do you like that? You do. I know you do. Isn't that exciting? I said, isn't that exciting what God's doing? You're looking at me like, when's this going to be over? Dear Jesus. Write your vision or dream down. You're going to have to wait. Though it tarries, wait for it. I'll go fast. The next one, expect God's favor. Expect God's favor. And you can read it on your own. Genesis 39, verses 1 through 4, and verses 20 through 23. It says, God was with Joseph. If your dream or your vision or your word that you receive from God is from Him, He's going to be with you. And that dream and that vision and that word will come to pass. You'll have to wait for it. You'll have to do battle for it. But if you don't quit, it will come to pass. Kathy and I were so blessed through the years that we God gave us teachers and mentors and friends and other ministers and relationships that encouraged us. Tremendous favor we had. Why? Because we're in the right place, planted in the right place, Doing what God's called us to do. Next one. You've got to remain faithful. This is the last one. 
You've got to remain faithful as you wait and don't compromise. I want to read this in Genesis 39, if you want to find it. Genesis 39. Joseph was a dreamer. Don't be afraid to dream, Harvest Church. Don't be afraid to, to dream big and, and uh, believe God big in the days ahead. But you and I, we're going to have to remain faithful and wait and listen. We cannot afford to compromise. Say, don't compromise. You can't compromise the dream, the vision, or the word. You can if you want to, but it's not God's intentions that you do that. In Genesis 39, in verses 7, it says, It came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused. Say, but he refused. Said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house. And he's committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me. But you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Do you realize if he'd done that? The whole dream would have been compromised. So think about the things, the sins and the temptations in your life in the days ahead. If you walk into those things and, and, and yield to the lust of the flesh, you are affecting your destiny. You are affecting that word or that vision or dream God has put in your heart. We've got to stay true to God and stay pure and not compromise. Let me read this scripture in Luke 16, verse 9. You've got to remain faithful. You and I have to continue to be faithful in the days ahead. Even though we don't see some things changing, we cannot quit. We have to keep going. In verse 7 of, of uh, or excuse me, verse 9 of 16, it says, And I say to you, these are the words of Jesus, Make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, that you may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit you to your trust, the true riches? If you've not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Our ministry began many years ago when we began serving another man's dream, another man's vision, another man's prophetic word. Sad to say that man died and really didn't fulfill that vision. Kathy and I had to learn early on to serve another man's vision, another man's dream. And we saw, we even, we saw things that weren't right and we were so young and inexperienced but we knew in our heart there was things that were not right, but we, we continued to serve to the, to the point where we couldn't and we had to break away from that. But if God gives you a dream, 
He expects you to remain faithful. So if you're here at Harvest Church, it's important that you just do what your hand can find to do. If you're coming into the church and you're new, you know the Bible says, and this is the thing, the Bible says, know those whom you labor among. If I don't know you yet, I can't put you where you need to be. Because if I do, I'm violating Scripture. I've got to get to know you by your Spirit. I've got to get to know your gifts that are there. And in the days ahead, we're going to be doing things to define and refine your gifts so we get to know you. I want you to know today that you're not just at any church. This church was planted by God in this community many, many decades ago. And there's a vision here. And everyone has a part to play. But do what your hand can find to do. If you just want to be up front to do something, your heart's attitude's wrong. And I'll pick up on that in a heartbeat. Humble yourselves. Develop a servant's heart And a servant's attitude. Do what you can to do to help the preacher, to help the leadership fulfill the vision in the days ahead. And if you'll do that, guess what? You'll be blessed. And God, if you're faithful, will give you your own ministry. When your dream, vision, or prophetic word is from God, it won't go away. Number two, hold on to your dream. Don't let go. Number three, be careful who you share your dreams with. Number four, expect God's favor. Number five, write your dream or vision down. Number six, remain faithful as you wait and don't compromise. Let's stand up this morning. Let's go into this new year believing big, dreaming big, asking big, praying big. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking today, Father, by your Spirit, the Spirit of grace, to stir up the gifts and the graces that you've deposited within each one of these believers Everyone here is important. Everyone here has something to contribute to this church and to the body in Christ in general. Father, I pray, Lord God, for a spirit of humility. That we will all humble ourselves before you daily. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you enlighten the eyes of the people to see in the days ahead, and anoint their ears to hear what you're speaking to the church. I declare and decree a spirit of unity and oneness of spirit here in this place. And I declare and decree, we're going to finish the good work you've begun in us individually, and what you've begun in us corporately, in the name of Jesus. So Lord, I'm asking that you bless this body of believers today. Bless these faithful people and may they abound with blessings in the remainder of this year and in the coming new year in Jesus' name. We put our trust in you, Lord. 
And we thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy and your favor that surrounds us with a shield. In Jesus' name, amen. Is everyone here today a born-again believer, I presume? Raise your hand if Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Amen. I'm not going to lay hands on you for healing. You can partake of that as you took covenant today because that's our covenant right. Amen. Is there any other announcements? Remember, no Wednesday night church. I want you to eat all the turkey you can. And then go take a nap. Amen. And get up and eat some more turkey. And enjoy your family. Amen. God bless you. Thank you.